0: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. It is good to have you here today. Happy Friday to those of you who are live streaming with us. And and my apologies, actually, just very quickly to those of you who may have been waiting around a little bit. We were supposed to go live about 20 minutes ago. We ran into some tech issues. I think we've resolved those for now. And um, so we're going to cross our fingers and hopefully we can get through the conversation with our brand new guest, who I'm going to introduce here in just a second. But for those of you that are live streaming, thanks so much for joining us. Don't be shy. Join the conversation. Ask questions. Be part of this discussion today. And for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact... I know I always say it, but do come join us, be part of the the live audience, join the discussion, ask questions That's part of the benefit of these live streams. And I hope you'll take advantage of that. If you follow us at Boca podcast on Instagram, B-O-K-E-H podcast on Instagram, you'll keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. If you check out our Instagram stories and or posts there. So do follow us and come join the conversation. And then before I introduce our guest, just one more note, as I always do, I want to encourage you all to look for opportunities to give back i made my donation to charity water today before i jumped on the show as i promised i would do before every episode and uh, i just again take this opportunity not to brag about my minimal donation but to actually encourage you all to look for opportunities to do the same thing. It's amazing how much or how far I should say just a little bit of money can go and making a difference in other people's lives, whether it's in a local community or national or international organizations. And uh of Sean Lee, one of our previous guests, I'm encouraging you all to do the same thing. All right. Let me introduce you to our brand new guests for today. Emily, and thanks, Emily, for clarifying this before we got started. Emily Major is here on the show with us today. Emily, thanks for coming to hang out with me.
1: No problem. <laughs> yeah, we you. managed.
0: We managed to overcome some uh, tech difficulties before we got started, and I, I think we're good to go. Can you still hear me, okay? Yep. Okay, perfect. I, I think I think we're good. So I want to just jump into this conversation while we've got working internet and audio connection. <laughs> and um, and I again, I appreciate for. Everybody, or I appreciate everybody listening in, making time to come and and hang out with us. And Kala is already saying, can't wait to hear Emily's advice. Kala, thanks so much for joining the conversation and listening in. And don't hesitate to ask questions along the way as well. Emily, let's just jump right into it. You're brand new to the podcast. so We want to get to know you a little bit, including myself, by the way. And so let's start with your business and your business's brand position. This is something we talk about quite a bit on the show here. A brand position or unique value proposition. What is that for your photography business?
1: So I haven't officially put together what I would define as a brand position. Um, but I would say as far as, is what I strive to do within my business is to allow my clients, whether it be wedding senior boudoir, um, is to just let them be unapologetically, unapologetically them. Um, I, I strive to be an open book for my clients and I hope that, you know, they have that comfortability with me as well.
0: Yeah. And that's a really big deal, especially for those who have never been in front of the camera before. I mean, even for me mm-hmm. and I've, you know, I've been behind the camera and in front of the camera gobs of times at this point point. and being in front of the camera, it's still a little bit nerve wracking for me because I don't, it's not a natural normal thing. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Where do I stand? And I know as a photographer, yeah. how to guide somebody, But as the person on the other side of the camera, it's nerve wracking. And that's, you know, being in the photography industry for 20 plus years. So imagine for those of you listening in, imagine the nerves of the people who are not used to being in front of the camera, have no context of photography, how nervous they must be. And so Emily, I'm, I'm glad that you highlight this. It's a really great reminder to start off our conversation, which is you need to make the person there as comfortable as possible. What's, can you give me an example of, of one way that you might do that with a new client?
1: Um, so I do this a lot with my wedding clients. Um, I have a lot of brides who like to break stereotypical, um, traditions. So it's, I, I get a lot of brides that are like, well, we, we want to do this, but our family is, you know, maybe leading us in a different direction. And I'm here to just, you know, advocate for them and say, look, if, if this is how you want to do it, let's do it. Let's run with it. And you can make me the bad guy. You can blame mom and tell her that your photographer said that we can't do this or whatever. Um, And, you know, just, it's about them. And, you know, my, my wedding days are, you know, with the bride and groom and giving them the best day that they vision. Mm -hmm. Um, So just making sure that that's executed in, in what they want, not necessarily what everybody else wants.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I'm still amazed actually, having shot weddings for over a decade, how, much of a role the other family kind of forces their way into uh, during mm-hmm. that wedding day. It really is about the couple, and everybody else is trying to control the thing. And so that's actually a great piece of very practical advice as well. Encourage, encourage the excuse me, encourage the actual couple, the ones that are being photographed, that are there to get married that day. Um, to take the lead and feel comfortable in that. That's a great, that's a great thing. I know we could spend a lot of time there, but I want to keep going because we are going to get to the (laughs) main topic at hand for anybody who's watching or listening and and isn't aware. We're going to talk about how to juggle motherhood and business ownership here in just a few minutes. But as we normally do, I want to get through a few introductory questions. So talk to me a little bit about your experience or, or your recommendations for providing a great customer experience. Emily, Is there a particular idea principle that has driven your ability to to bring that really great experience to your customers
1: um so i'm from kind of a smaller town in central illinois Um, and i would say a lot of it is just i i strive on consistency um and as we'll kind of get into later i'm not always perfect in it um but providing a consistent um experience for my clients means that the word of mouth goes really strong um if they have a good experience they're gonna you know tell their bridesmaids about it they're gonna tell their friends when their friends get engaged and are looking for somebody i was just you know tagged in somebody's facebook this morning you know of some one of my past brides saying you need to book her you know you're looking for somebody this is who you need to go to um and i you know do my best to make sure that that bride in the past has the same experience as my bride you know going forward that way, nobody's shocked coming forward. I mean, I may change one <laughs> or two things, but, sure. you know, just, just keeping in with that consistency, I think, really helps with that word of mouth.
0: Yeah, and, and again, just very simple, practical advice for everybody listening. And whether you're a new photographer mm-hmm. or an established photographer, the reminder of that consistency and the experience, because it really does translate. If you can consistently provide a great experience, that, that word of mouth business is just naturally going to follow. And mm-hmm. then if you don't follow through consistently, if, if somebody comes to you because they heard, oh, it was this, this, you know, this type of an experience with so-and-so photographer, and then they have a totally different experience, that's going to throw off the brand and the ram- mm-hmm. brand's representation in the marketplace and could potentially hurt the business. So consistency is yeah. super, super important. Uh, let me jump and to the next. And it's a lot
1: of, it puts pressure on me. So mm. I like that. I like that like standard being held.
0: That's cool. Uh, that's actually a really interesting statement too, because most people, and I don't know, I say most, maybe that's too general, but a lot of people this this day and age don't like the idea of pressure. They're like, whatever I can do to minimize the pressure and make myself comfortable. But I, I'm I'm very much with you. I function very much the same way, maybe to not such a great degree. I like challenge and tension and, and, you know, (laughs) something that pushes me. I just like that. Um, And I think to a point, it's actually really good to have that in life, especially in first world culture where most things are relatively easy. Um, so that's cool i love that you face that challenge and you take it on you embrace it let me jump to the next question though about time Mm -hmm. management Uh, and i know we're going to get into this in in more details it relates to motherhood here in just a second but if there was a big idea or principle that has helped you better manage your time so you're not just always working you can have a life beyond Mm -hmm. work what would that big principle be
1: um so for me it's kind of off the wall but having an office with a locked door Um, so we've always, I've got a six-year-old, she, um, since we've had her, I've always had in-home, uh, care for my kids. So they're always just in the next room. So for me, having a dedicated workspace, it's a separate room. It's not, you know, in my bedroom. It's not, it's free of those outside distractions that motherhood, like, wants me to do the laundry and not edit. Um, So for me, it's just making sure that I've got my space. It's somewhere that I enjoy being at somewhere that I enjoy working and that I can close off those distractions and just kind of stay really focused.
0: Yeah. And it's funny how the simple things like that, creating a little bit of a separation or boundary between the personal and and work life at, at times can really, really make a big difference. Um, I'd love, I live in an apartment now Um, when I was running my photography business was in a house with my business and life partner at the time. And, and so it was like, it was like always work and always family simultaneously Mm -hmm. if we let it be, but because it was a bigger space, we could kind of create some distinction between two. Here's our office space. Here's our home space. Now, now in my apartment and it's just me and my kids occasionally, um, it's, I mean, it's a much smaller space. So, the idea of creating distinction between work and personal life is a little bit more of a challenge, I mm-hmm. guess. I have to be a bit more intentional about it. But I think there's something to that, especially as parents. I mean, I, I have two kids myself. They're now 20 and 17. Uh, but, and so we're at a little bit of a different stage in life. But it, mm-hmm. when I was shooting back when they were, you know, two, three, four, five, six years old, especially important (laughs) and on the days that they're home in particular. So yeah, that, that separation distinction is really important. Um, let me ask you, when we talk about time management, delegation is something that we talk about here on the podcast quite a bit. Naturally I own an editing company, so that ties into the conversation, but uh, just in general, the idea of delegation can be one of the most time saving exercises in running a photography business. Is this something that you've experimented with, whether it's with, you know, album design or email management or editing or anything else?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I would say from the beginning of even just, you know, dabbling in the beginning of my like wedding photography, I've always had a really nice network um, that has been really close to me to really support being able to say, hey, can you do this for me? I'm not afraid to ask for help because uh, I can't do this myself, especially yeah. going forward and and growing and getting bigger. Um so in, you know, in the years past, I've had everything from my sister-in-law, Sam second shooting for me, my husband's second shooting for me. Um, and then as far as like office, um I've got a friend um, who she runs pretty much my day-to-day email um, and shout out to Kayla and she pretty much keeps me sane. Um, and then I outsource my editing, um, shout out to photographers edit, Mm -hmm. and they, uh, you know, outsourcing the biggest chunk of my, of my workload, which is editing, especially weddings, um, was a game changer. It meant that instead of me spending uh, six hours a day, just trying to crank out edits, I could send that off and work on, you know, everything else. Um, so it's it's been huge, and then come tax time, I bring somebody in. Um, the last few years, it's been our cousin, actually, Jamie. She shout out just, to Jamie. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Jamie. All the shout outs today, but um, having this big network of people that I can rely on and come in and say, hey, I you know I need help with a specific task. Would you be mind you know, or would you mind doing that for me? Um. And if not, it's okay. But I'll find somebody who can, whether it's close to home or across yeah. the world.
0: It's great, but you summed it up so beautifully at the beginning, and that is that we really can't do this on our own. I, you know, somebody could ar- always argue, "Oh, I keep things really simple, and just, I just I I manage to like I, I manage my time really well, and this thing doesn't take very long, and and I only work twenty five thirty hours a week." But if anybody is wanting to actually build and scale a business. And you mentioned that specifically Emily, if anybody's wanting to actually grow, the reality is we have limitations as individuals and there are a lot of moving parts in a business. So if we want to grow, if we want to scale, if we want to build this thing for the long run, then we absolutely need the help of others, whether it's a third party company. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the shout out. I didn't expect that by the way, but thank you for that (laughs) um, for photographers at it. But but whether it's a third party company or a family member or a friend, bringing somebody in house, working with somebody outside, asking for that help at the end of the day, it enables us to be better and we can't let mm-hmm. our ego get in the way of asking for help because we're really limiting right. ourselves and adding to the stress on top of that as well. So
1: yeah, yeah,
0: that's a, that's a really you can't great reminder make
1: money without spending money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, yeah, you're right. And that's a pretty simple summation of, of that, that the importance of, of delegating and investing in those who you can kind of surround yourself with a team of really great people. That will help you grow. Mm -hmm. So, and by the way, for anybody listening in who is not familiar with Photographer's Edit, I, I don't spend a lot of time shouting out Photographer's Edit. Emily was very kind to do that. But if you do go to Photogs Edit, P H O T O G S E D I T on Instagram, you can follow us there. Or photographersedit.com and for those of you that are new customers if you just put in Boca podcast all one word you can get 40 percent off your first order so a little mini commercial there we don't do it very much emily and people are like you should talk about <laughs> photographers edit more so i'm like okay fine i, I should probably do that well, a well i
1: i couldn't run my business without it so i appreciate it <laughs> oh
0: thank you that's very kind of you though truly um let me just jump to one other question before we get into the main topic at hand and this is about an impactful self-help book or business book to break the fourth wall a little bit you you said to me before we got started you're like i'm not i'm not really into the reading but podcast is kind of more your thing tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. that your source of education or inspiration via podcast
1: so um i'll admit that most of my podcast time is spent on like murder podcasts um but for the (laughs) most like true crime stuff oh sure yeah yeah give me all the details
0: I was just talking. So my, my daughter's 17. I was just talking with her about this yesterday because we were at a bookstore and she was buying another, I think, another murder mystery. And I'm like, what is this? What is this thing? And I don't know if it's a if, the, if it's female specific where the popularity resides. But I just I keep hearing my, my girlfriend's into it as well. Listening to she mm-hmm. and my daughter both listen to this one of the same podcasts. What is what's the appeal to that?
1: I, you know, I, and I have to go in spurts because my anxiety gets to be too much, but it's fascinating. It's just like what to look out for. And I don't know. It's just, I love all the detail and, and I think it's the solving the mystery. I, I don't tend to like them if it's just kind of, well, we don't know what happened. I'm like, well, I want to know what happened and I don't want to know why you got there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. All right. So you said Um, most of the podcasts are like that. Any any photography or business podcast or self help podcast? So
1: to? yeah, and an, another plug. But I listen to a lot of the Boca podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like the bulk of episodes that I can kind of pick and choose if they pertain to me. Mm-hmm. If they don't pertain to me, mm-hmm. um, and as far as books go, I I did read one that I wanted to kind of shout out. It's the hashtag Mom so hard. It has nothing to do with photography. Um, but it's kind of one of those speaking in the motherhood spectrum is, you know, realizing that the struggles of motherhood, they can be funny. It's a hilarious book, but I can also relate to them. Um, So yeah, right there. It's uh, Kristen Hensley and Jen Smedley, and they have a hilarious YouTube video and they made this book. And of course I bought it right away and it's great.
0: Well, I mean, I I know it's dedicated or geared toward moms, but I'm already drawn in just by the cover. They look like such fun people. And for it's, anybody, it's
1: so good.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to have to maybe check out, at least check out their podcast too. I've got it up on the screen for anybody who's live streaming. Of course you can see this if you go to Amazon and, and just type in mom so hard, it's hashtag I mom so hard. And it's by Kristen Hensley and Jen Smedley we will link to the book in the show notes at bookapodcast.com for anybody who's curious. And I appreciate that recommendation. Emily, let's, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. Now, you mentioned earlier having a six year old, how many kids do you have altogether?
1: together? Uh, so we have, we have two kids earthbound and then we had a miscarriage. So we've mm. got one, um, keeping over us. So,
0: yeah, I feel you on that. Had a similar experience. Okay. So two kids and mm-hmm. how old are they?
1: Uh, we have a six year old and a one and a half year old.
0: Okay. That's, that's quite the spread. So my kids are about three years apart. It's a gap. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's interesting when you've got the one who you've like, obviously you have to keep a closer eye on the one than the other, probably at times. And, and yet at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, the older one can probably kind of come along and help a little bit now. Right.
1: Yeah. And and admittedly, I mean, we had the miscarriage between the two. Mm. Um, so we wanted them a little bit closer, but it still would have been a four year gap as opposed to a five. Um, and we wanted that gap so that, we had a little bit of extra help, um, that we, our personalities, our lifestyle, it just two in diapers. I, I can't imagine that life a shout out to the moms who can, but wow, that's not me.
0: <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, it is a lot.
0: Okay. So you've been in business now for how long, just as a comparison.
1: Um, I am on your nine of weddings, 10 of photography in general.
0: Okay. So you got started before, you had kids. Now, what was the turning point where you realized that you needed to, to kind of find a better balance? Because I, I know, again, having been a, um, both a parent and photographer simultaneously myself, I know the challenges tied to that and um, trying to juggle all of that simultaneously, especially when the kids are young enough to be at home all the time. It's just a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I remember like when, when it, so my kids, I mentioned are three years apart when Addison was young enough that she was still taking naps in in the crib during the day, Austin was old enough. Addison would wake up and be like, Hey Austin, um, can you run up and and jump in the crib with Addison for just a few minutes? Let us finish up this thing that we're working on right now, you know? So he'd run upstairs and (laughs) come up. I had this video where he had, he had dumped blocks into the crib and then climbed up into the crib, got in the crib with her and was playing with her, (laughs) hanging out with her. It's nice to have that kind of help, but it's not always that easy, right? So was there kind of a turning point for you where you realized, all right, I need to figure out better systems, a better approach to balancing mom life and business for yourself?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really taking it back to the very beginning, um, I started my photography right out of um, high school. Um, It was about a year into college, actually. And I had already, my husband and I were together at that point, we're high school sweethearts. And Um, we got married and then I started the photography business. And when we started discussing having kids, it was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to prepare? Um, How, how is this going to impact my business that is really just in its infancy? Um, I still had no idea what I was doing. I was, it was those, you know, stay up till two o'clock in the morning and just read and try and absorb all of the information that I could via um, Google searches and, and articles and things like that. Um, So it, it really, you know, we knew right away that like, if we're going to start, we need to also have, you know, a childcare plan. And that's when I was like, I have to have an office, I have to have my space, so that you know, I can kind of separate and, and be you know, photographer, boss lady, Emily, and mom, Emily. Um, so really, it was kind of from the beginning. That's cool. um, But I think even going back further, knowing that I wanted to have this separation led to my mom. Um, she had various hobbies and she had a little side hustle um, back in the 90s with like when vinyl was just starting. And I just I had a lot of Of days where I didn't really see her she was in the office after school for hours and hours and I think coming from that I just knew that that's not really the experience that I wanted for my kids Um, I wanted to try and be present and you know not have them see me behind a laptop on the couch all the time yeah Um, so it was just kind of knowing what I didn't want to do I was like okay what do I need to do and so I could just kind of figure it out from there
0: well, and let's actually use that as a segue then into what you would consider the biggest challenges. You mentioned to me before we get started that there are kind of four key challenges that you see as a mother and business owner and trying to juggle both of those things. Will you share those mm-hmm. challenges with us?
1: Um, yeah, so obviously with motherhood, the first is lack of sleep, um, and just being pulled in, in those different directions. Um, to always being prepared for something unexpected, whether it be pregnancy or, you know, miscarriage or just life in general, things happen. Um, and then uh, missing those weekends with, with my family, we were able, we can elaborate on it later, but being a wedding photographer, you miss a lot of weekend things. Um, and then the fourth one, which I honestly haven't shared a whole lot about with anywhere anyone really outside my personal spectrum um is my biggest challenge lately has been clinical depression since having mm. our son
0: wow that's a lot okay so we're, we're gonna I, yeah, actually, heavy. I, <laughs> no and it's totally fine because i've dealt with plenty of depression myself so i we can we'll come back to that actually i want to just kind of touch on each of these as mm-hmm. a um, as a way just to explore the solutions or potential solutions that you 've come up with and facing each of them so let 's get back to lack of sleep and, and honestly, this is something i 'm kind of dealing with right now on different levels i 'm a bit of a nerd I, I I use tech a lot i mean i 've got an apple watch on currently but i i 've used what 's mm-hmm. called an aura ring to to track my sleep and a fitbit and um, i 've tried nothing as well sleep supplements i 'm trying to figure out a way to to get better sleep but what Solutions or ideas have you come up with to address this issue?
1: I mean, really, just having the flexibility in my own schedule. Um, like I said, mentioned before, we have um, a nanny that comes to the house a few days a week. Um, and when we we've had three nannies over over my daughter's lifetime, and each one, I just come in and say, "Look, I am a night owl." Um, so if there are days where you arrive at nine o'clock in the morning, I might go back to sleep for a few hours, but just understand that I'm working when you're not here. Um, because I, I, some, some reason when the sun goes down, my brain just starts working. It turns on. Um, Yeah. So I try not to do it too often because I, I don't want to get into too bad of habits um but just having that in home even with just childcare, um if they're like my kids are out of the house today just letting them do their thing and um you know if i need to take a nap i'm gonna take a nap
0: (laughs) yeah well i mean at the end of the day it 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 seems to go without saying but i know that we all myself included behave as though it's we don't always behave as though it's the most important thing in the world but it is truly aside from eating and drinking water like we need sleep desperately and it's and it affects us on so many levels. It's not just about feeling mm-hmm. tired. What it does to our physiology, what it does to our mind, emotions, psychology overall. It's, it's significant. It's drastic. And, of course, there's plenty mm-hmm. of research to back that up. So if there are certain situations or instances where you can leverage the help of others to have a little bit of space to get some extra rest, got to mm-hmm. do it. Got to make it happen. I would also be curious. Yeah. Though, what do you think? Is it... Um, Is it that you're busy with other stuff during the day and as a result, then nighttime is another opportunity to start working on some, some other things. And so your brain just kind of goes wild about, about that. Or what do you think that it is?
1: Yeah. So we're a family with multiple irons in the fire all the time. (laughs) It doesn't seem to ever slow down here. Um, So whether it be that we have, you know, I have things going on during the day, general housekeeping. Um, Lately we've been moving. So trying to, do all the preparations during the day to do that. Um, so that sometimes when the kids go to bed, that's the really only time that day that I have to sit uh, at my computer and okay. work. Um, so yeah, and my daughter's getting older to where she's got baseball you know in the evening. so we've our evenings are, are pretty solid.
0: Interesting. So maybe ultimately, getting back to a place where you can consistently get the work done during the day would help minimize that that like eyes wide open <laughs> experience mm-hmm. at nighttime, huh?
1: Yep. And we're brainstorming ways to get there. <laughs> that's cool.
0: Yeah, that's so important because I, I know a lot of people talk about being night owls. There have been certain times at, at um, during my life as well where I've been a little bit more awake in the in the evening for one reason or another. But our bodies are meant to, for the most part, function where we were awake during the day and sleep at the night. And and when we throw that Mm -hmm. off, it can throw other things off too. So that's cool that you're working to to get back to that place where there's a little bit more of a consistency in the schedule. Let, let me go to the next thing though. Always facing the unexpected is, is what I um, jotted down here. And that is, that's, that sums up life as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, it's so true, but not just (laughs) as an entrepreneur, but also as a parent as well. This is definitely a challenge on, on both ends what are some Mm -hmm. ways that you've learned to kind of adapt to to that or maybe even change it so things are a little bit more predictable?
1: So um, a lot of the unexpected in our lives, the the big moments that pop out is finding out that we were pregnant. Um, And there it was, again, going back to that You know, having that network, um, having that team, making sure that I'm charging enough that if that network involves paying somebody to do something like edit or, you know, email, making sure that that can be covered so that I can handle the personal side of of life. Um, You know, during pregnancy, all of my weddings in the third trimester, I made sure that I had a plan B and a plan C and just kind of over preparing. Um, And now, obviously, there have been times where we're not prepared um our daughter last year had a a seizure incident um and she that just it really threw us through a loop and there's no
0: predicting being
1: no and and to that i i would say you can't prepare for things like that but Mm -hmm. what you can do is be real and be an open book with your clients um i do I, I do share a lot of, um, my personal life on social media, but even the things that I'm not comfortable sharing, most of my clients know, um, just so they're in the loop. They're not surprised if it takes, you know, an extra week because we were in the hospital for a week, then that's okay. they are, you know, my clients are okay with that because they understand we're all human things get in the way life happens. Um, so making sure that I have that communication you know, with, with my brides, with my couples, with my you know, other clients um, has been huge.
0: What do you think the balance is? Uh, and certainly transparency on, I mean, in life, period. Business, personal life, everything is, is so important on multiple levels. But there, I've also noticed a tendency, especially in say the last five, maybe even to 10 years, eight, eight to 10 years, there's been a tendency, I've noticed particularly in the photography industry, maybe it, it probably happens elsewhere as well, where photographers seem to kind of overshare as well, and, it, and, and the, the conversation is about transparency and vulnerability, but when I say overshare, like there's, there's so much kind of drama thrown into their feed, and it's almost mm-hmm. like a, a call for attention, it seems like, in some cases, but I, I say all this to, to ask you the question, what do you think the, the balance is between transparency and oversharing. And I realize that oversharing, there's no like one objective definition of oversharing, but like, I guess Mm -hmm. not putting all of our, our baggage or our stuff on the world, but simultaneously being enough of an open book so that there is expectations are set well. And and maybe even as a result of the openness or transparency that there's some level of personal connection. What what do you think that balance, um, or what, what is a good balance from your perspective?
1: Um, I, the word that comes to mind is lack of real time. Um, if it is drama in your life that you're sharing about and you don't necessarily need to share, don't post it, think on it for, you know, 24 to 48 hours and then, you know, do a recap if Mm. you really feel it's necessary. If you have a weekend that really gets away from you, recap it. You don't have to be posting in real time all the time to be put social Um, present on social media Um, now of course stories are are pretty much geared towards that that real time Um, but I think just having that note of is this professional then okay it's good for real time if it's personal sit on it it's okay
0: (laughs) yeah that's actually yeah that's a great just baseline recommendation for sure because (laughs) it's easy I mean even even if it's not social media whether it's an email response to somebody or a text message or a phone call I if I'm in an emotional state, it's very easy for me to just react very, very quickly Mm -hmm. and unnecessarily for sure. Um, or even overreact in the moment just because I am emotional in one way or another. So yeah, that's, that's a good, just basic piece of advice. Um, and then would you say that maybe the information that we're sharing, should it be, if we're sharing that with the public and, and more specifically with our clients, are you only sharing that if it's relevant to the service that you provide or how you're able to provide service to them?
1: I think it kind of goes back to knowing your audience um you know who is who is this post serving if it's you know uh i don't know a a story on i'm gonna go get my nails done who is who is that for is that for me is that for my brides yes i mean just knowing and like putting that nail salon example out there a lot of my brides like to get their nails done. So sometimes I'll invite, you know, some of my brides to come with me. So in that case, it is kind of serving my brides and knowing that they can relate. And um, I'll get asked, you know, who's your salon or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, but if it's if it's really not serving a purpose for anybody but yourself, is it really worth posting?
0: That's I, I love I this. Mean, I, I, I'm taking notes as you're talking and I wrote that down because I yeah. want to share that later. And it's actually a good reminder for myself too, because it's it's easy for us to share something on stories or you know an Instagram or Facebook posts or whatever it might be for our ego, because we feel insecure and we need somebody to pat us on the back um, because we don't have anybody else to really vent to. And so we're going to vent to the world and hopefully get some response. I mean, there's so many potential reasons, mm-hmm. right? But you're absolutely right. What we should be asking first is, does this serve the people that I'm sharing this with, whose time and feed and, and life I'm taking up by putting this out here, is it really for them or is it actually more for me? And some might argue that it's okay for it to be for you. And, and I guess so, oh, but sure. I, I just feel like people have gone to such an extreme and I'm like, I have, I want to connect with people on a deep level. So it's important in conversations to connect on a deep level or in order to connect in a deep level, to hear about some of these tough mm-hmm. things. But it just it, it seems like there's such an obsession with, with just like kind of throwing up on the on the feed at times um mm-hmm. by, by certain people. Certainly not you, by the way. I'm not this is not about you, Emily.
1: No, and I know it's not me because sometimes I'm really bad at sharing about personal life, <laughs> especially on stories. Um, but it's just it's going back to that real time. Like yeah. does it have to be done right now mm. or do I can I learn about your gardening in a recap later? you know, if that's what you really feel like you need to share about. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a pretty, share, know, so th- just, that's a pretty tame share though. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be complaining as so much if people are sharing about their gardening. It's, it's, it's sure, all the yeah. other stuff <laughs> that, that's like, uh, anyway, I know, I know a yeah. lot of that's subjective and probably some of my own issues I'm projecting, but um, I, I, well, I, I, love-
1: I, I'm a hothead. So I like to, um, I like to keep that at bay, especially on social media. Yeah. I don't like to air my dirty laundry out on Facebook. I see a lot of people who do, yes. and it's immediately like an unfollow from me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's either an unfollow or let's let's go do some digging and just really like see what else is going on. But <laughs> it could be a form of entertainment. Get some but popcorn not from out, me. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs>
0: But I I really, I mean, in all seriousness, I love that question. Who is the post or that post serving? And I think that's a great question for all of us to be asking. Um, The third challenge that you talked about facing was missing out on time with people, especially in the weekends, family in particular, but missing out on time with people. And certainly I've had this experience as well. And and you brought up a a personal story. I appreciate you sharing uh, about your experience when your mom was working. And, and Mm -hmm. I can speak to something similar as well. And, and I took that to my parenting with my kids and how I ran my business, how I was managing my time. It's still something that I have to keep front of mind, especially as I'm don't have much longer with my kids at home and and then, you know, that's it. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm certainly not giving them the impression that work is priority over them, but then I'm, I'm making, even if it's small chunks of quality time to connect with them, that I'm, that I'm doing that, how have you gone about. Creating that space to connect with people amidst running the business.
1: Oh gosh, that's a big one. um I so as far as it coming down to the weekends, um, honestly, the best the best solution that I had was just I kind of went to my family and was like, "Look, my weddings are typically always on a Saturday," and they were super gracious um, about. You know making sure that if there's a birthday party it goes on a sunday Mm. um they have kind of understood that i book 12 to 18 months out so if there's a family vacation that you're planning let's plan it you know a a year out if we can um or as soon as possible just so that i can plan kind of for that um and and scheduling that one-on-one time with my kids with our family um if it's not on my calendar, there's a good chance it's already booked up. Um, so I really try to be intentional with making sure that we have those chunks. You know, this weekend we're going camping, and I'm not going to take my laptop at all. Um, and it's just doesn't just feel so being intentional? It does. It kind of feels like you're missing your left hand a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because you know when you're an entrepreneur everything you do it feels centered around working um it's so easy to work from your phone it's so easy to just take your laptop with you um and although that's nice when I take the nanny and the kids to the pool and I can simultaneously work it doesn't work in all situations and it really kind of can annoy you know the people that I'm with if they think I'm just on a screen the whole time
0: well I I you know, there's something interesting about calendars that I've found, uh, and, I, and maybe more people are doing this than I realize, but even the act of sharing a calendar, whether it's with a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a distant family member or a closer family member, for the sake of kind of staying on the same page, for the sake of awareness, really makes a big difference, especially if you're you know, working with your partner or you just need to create awareness for your partner so that they know what's going on. That's, that's super important, but I, I love yeah. the proactivity and the way that you handled that situation and having a conversation with your family and just asking, um, because I know I very much felt kind of left out of the mix when it didn't seem like there was a lot of consideration from family members They're just planning events. And it was just like, if you can make it show up, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, it's
1: it's easy to feel.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to be there. I want to be part of it. I, I'm, I just love connecting with people and especially those that are closer to me. And, um, and, and it's important to me to, to, to get, to be there and, connect with them. So I'm like, why didn't, why didn't mm-hmm. you consider the fact that all this stuff's going on? It's a bit selfish, but, uh, but I love that you took the initiative. It, it's e- very easy to kind of take a step back and complain about the situation and just not do anything about it. I love that you were very proactive in having those conversations. I think that's a great reminder for everybody listening in something to do, whether it's somebody that lives in your house or somebody that doesn't live in your house. If you want to connect with people mm-hmm. and you're not because of the schedule, have a conversation and make the effort. It, it can really go a long way.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't, it's, it's not always perfect. It's, I'm, I'm not always available and their calendars may be booked on a, on a Sunday, so they have to have whatever. And I think just understanding that though my feelings may be hurt in the sense of having like feeling left out, it's not, I don't think it's always intentional. Um, I don't think it's really ever intentional on the family members part or the friends part of, of, you know, oh, well, we're going to do this on a Saturday so that Emily can't can't come. It's just, you know, and and my friends, my family, they all know that the best time to get me is either six months ahead of schedule or (laughs) on a Sunday. (laughs) And and knowing like there are times where my feelings are hurt, but my husband's a really good indicator um, and reminder of, hey, it wasn't personal. It was, you know, we don't know their schedule. We don't know their circumstances. And that's sometimes hard to remember, especially on your own.
0: Yeah. That, that's, but you know, honestly, that's a good practical reminder uh, and for, even for me too, um, because mm-hmm. I really do love connecting and, and I've, it's taken me a while. I, it's embarrassing to admit, in fact, I'm 42 and, and I still, this still, this stuff still kind of gets to me because I'm like, man, why didn't you plan this thing so we could all be together? I love being together with my family, yeah. you know? Um, I'm
1: such a planner, but not everybody is. I, and maybe that's and part of it understanding too. understanding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, it, it's, it's easy to take stuff personally and we really don't need to. Thanks for the reminder, Emily. I needed that today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I want to get to the last point. I know this is a big and very heavy topic, but you mentioned dealing with depression. And I, I know that this is this has certainly been a point of conversation in the industry quite a bit over the last, call it five to seven, eight years or so anyway. Um, and, and I'm curious, however much you'd be willing to share what that experience has been like and ultimately how you're, you're facing it head on.
1: Um, so really, and I feel like I'm repeating myself half the time, it goes back to having that network of people that you can rely on. Um, depression for me has, has kind of snuck up. Um, it started in the postpartum, you know, your typical six months after I had our son Barrick, um, just in that. I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't know how to handle it. Um, I tried going the therapy route and I, I tend to be very self-aware of my, of understanding my feelings and emotions that it's like, well, I, I understand it. I just, I can't emotionally get a grasp of it. Um, so therapy for me was like, I was talking through the the points with her and she was like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, well, I know, but I need you to give me like tools and stuff so maybe I need a new therapist. A lot of my friends are telling me that I do. And <laughs> there's no shame in that. Um, no, no, no. And I, but, I think there's
0: a, what I've realized too over time is that there's a, there's a pretty, in some cases anyway, a pretty distinct difference between a therapist and a life coach. Because I'm, I'm like you, yeah. I, I want to like, give me the, give me the action points and let me go do the thing. I don't need to spend mm-hmm. five months talking through this thing and I still don't know what I'm supposed to do yeah. next. I understand why therapists right. are doing that. They're helping kind of guide you to, to realizations of sure. your own. Um, I can typically I feel pinpoint you're where
1: too. in my childhood that trauma comes from. <laughs>
0: right, right. On my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Um, but no, I mean, and it's just, I had a, I honestly, admittedly, had a really rough time um, a day last week where we had a lot happening. Um, where, like I said before, we're selling our house, we're starting a studio. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of, of irons in my fire. And, It really just it got on top of me and i i had to just set everything down and say look i can't think about any of it today it today is not the day so my kids and i we snuggled in bed we watched movie after movie Mm -hmm. and you know i spent the time with them and just understanding that work is okay to stop and i had one gallery that was supposed to be that due that day and again going back to transparency I just texted them and said, hey, I'm just honestly having a really rough day. Is it okay if I get you that gallery tomorrow? And they they were like, oh yeah, do you, it's fine. And you know, I appreciate the flexibility that this job gives me because of that.
0: Sure, would you say, so just as a kind of a practical takeaway then from this, for those who might be dealing with similar feelings or challenges as it relates to depression and the associated, of course, I guess, factor of having to deal with what can be an overwhelming business at time. Would you say learn to take advantage of the flexibility that you do have to take a break when you need to? Do you think that's the biggest takeaway there? or What do you think?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you started, most people started this business or started a business to have the flexibility. And even though sometimes it feels like you're running this business 26-7, I mean, you don't, Uh, you don't really have to as long as you've got people that you can delegate to um I knew that my assistant Kayla was still in the inbox she was still checking everything making sure that you know things weren't getting on top of me in the in that sort of aspect I you know still had my my sisters usually 24 7 on call to watch our kids which I super appreciate so You know, and we've got a big myriad of friends that if I needed to have a day to myself, I could just send out a few texts and say, hey, look, is anybody available to take my kids for a few hours? Because I need a minute. Um, And just making sure that you have that network, I think, is really huge when being a mother and an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, I, I, man, that, that is huge, actually. We, we were super lucky when I was running my photography business. Of course, my focus has been with photographers at and other brands uh, in the last number of years. But when we were running our photography business and our kids were younger, um, Austin and then Addison as well, both my kids spent some time with their kind of pseudo grandmother, Kathy, uh, who lives here in the Chattanooga area quite a bit. Um, she, she was just mm-hmm. so gracious and stepping in and helping watch them, particularly on the weekends where we had to photograph a wedding. And it was just nice mm-hmm. to be able to have those people to rely on and um, yeah, it, it's a great reminder, encouragement, going back to what we were talking about earlier, to really kind of rely on our community, to leverage our community. And, and um, it's not just about delegating tasks like work tasks out to people. It's also asking for help from our friends and family when we need it, just generally speaking as mm-hmm. well. And I think that's a good yeah, reminder. Yeah, and I think
1: just not being afraid to ask for help and be humble and say, look, I can't, I can't do this you know, without somebody um i know a lot of people are afraid to ask for help um and i i i try to live by like the worst they can say is no and as long as i'm mentally prepared for them to say no then i can handle whatever other answer they've got you know i can handle it
0: yeah absolutely the other thing you mentioned too and and of course by no means am i a therapist but one of the books that i've read uh, actually in the process of reading now i've read a number of books from this particular author emily uh, I want to send you a copy of it because I think you might find it interesting or, or an audio version if yeah. you like listening to him better. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, I want to recommend this for, for everybody listening as well. It's a book called Living Untethered. In fact, let me pull it up here on Amazon. Uh, Michael Singer, Living Untethered, Beyond the Human Predicament, And it's a really powerful book um, that I guess if I were to sum it up, helps us understand the difference between us, like, quote unquote, who we are. And the distinction Mm -hmm. between that and our feelings, thoughts, emotions, making the distinction between our feelings and thoughts and and who we are. Because it's so easy to make that, even kind of automatically or subconsciously, make that connection between our feelings and ourself. So I feel this way, so Mm -hmm. I am this way, versus engaging with that that feeling or that thought as though it's an object. Like I, I can pick up my phone here that's next to me, I can pick it up. I can choose what to do with it. I can choose to put it down. And it's really fascinating um, the way that Michael describes how we can choose to engage with our thoughts and our feelings in a very, very similar way. And it's super empowering too. Um, That idea that we don't have to be our thoughts or our feelings is it's kind of a foreign concept in our current culture. And it's something I'm, I'm having to kind of work on creating the distinction for in my life, and I, maybe you'll find some value in the book as well, but I also want to recommend it to our listeners. So we'll link to that book yeah. in the show notes for everybody listening in at I, I This has been super, super practical and helpful. Emily, I, I really appreciate you having the conversation with us too. Will you just remind our listeners one more time where they can find and follow you online, maybe learn a little, little bit more about your brand?
1: Yeah, so I am at www.majorimage.com. Um, that's with a G. And... Um, instagram major image and on facebook it's major image photography
0: perfect and i just put those up on screen for everybody listening in It's spelled major m-a-g-e-r-i-m-a-g-e major image and of course Mm -hmm. majorimage.com as well emily i really appreciate you making time to, to come and spend time with us today thanks everybody as well for making time to hang out with us and listen in have a wonderful weekend
1: thank you so much